You're listening to Partnernomics Podcast, where we discuss the art and science of developing successful strategic partnerships. To learn more about the suite of Partnernomics solutions, visit Partnernomics.com. All right, so today we are joined by Mr. Eric West. Man, if you, if you love partnerships, if you love learning about how to really create some paradigm shifts in your business, you are going to love today's conversation. So uh, definitely get that seatbelt on and strap it up tight, man. These are the kind of conversations that I really love uh, to, to have. So Eric, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your day to chat with us. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. So Eric, you are one of the founders of Explorers Lab. And man, if there's something that, that I love, it's definitely looking at technologies and how we put different companies, different people, different ideas together to, kind of, to, to create those paradigm shifts, to create those new opportunities to advance solutions for customers. At the end of the day, that's what we're after. And this is what you spend a lot of your career on. So I'm, I'm always jazzed whenever I get an opportunity to, to speak to, to folks with your background. But to, Eric, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love for you to just take a couple minutes and talk to us about your background, kind of paint that picture of, of who Eric is and how you got to the, to the seat that you're in today. Happy to, happy to. Um, so as excited as I am to talk about the foreground, my foreground that is, I'm equally excited to talk more about background because it's standing on the shoulder of giants, I feel like, um, and with full humility of doing so, that having worked in, at the time was called um, just general aerospace R&D, right? Tip of the spear around the future of flight at the time, working in partnership with DARPA, um, all the way into what then became called Open Innovation for directly for a CTO, then through acquisition, strategy, partnerships, BD, you name it, right? All these different titles are all about bringing new perspectives into companies, internalizing that so that you know what to do if best, best case scenario, you figured out who to work with in the process. And so starting with that, you know, I'm, I can't be more excited about sharing everything from what, again, started with three-dimensional mobility and then down to my, my current um, area of two-dimensional mobility to say there's a whole lot of things intersecting both physically and uh, synergistically. So couldn't be more excited about talking about this. Awesome. So Rick, um, you and I connected through a mutual uh, connection, mutual contact as this world works, right? With, through, through these relationships, um, but you did some work uh, fairly recently with Ford. Is that correct? Can you talk to us a little bit about kind of the projects you were working on there and how your background in mobility and technology, how that uh, played a part? Absolutely. Um, Ford Motor Company, of course, is doing some really interesting things. In fact, you know, one of the most exciting areas to be right now, if you ask me, based on the fact I was hired into Ford out of their Palo Alto office. Um, Palo Alto, California, of course, based in Silicon Valley. There's a whole lot of shared frustration, I say that with love, of course, that um, there's so much happening, yet so little signal and all that noise, right? And here we are saying we're going to not just work with startups, but all these big emerging tech companies. Um, they're, they were, left, we're left with a lot more questions than answers. And so half of it is a little bit of pathfinding, but at the same time, it's as much of pathfinding, and I mean that in external capacity, as it is internal. And that's what we're really the resource at Ford to do, right? So in that context, we're working and finding these external partners, and I say that generally in the context of not just the people, but the companies, in order to figure out what they can help us do, right? And that's gotta be at least part 
of what's already been incepted internally about an existing need, right? And forbid we actually start with a problem to solve as we've defined it, right? Versus starting a solution and finding a problem. Um, so we couldn't be more excited about not just saying the next you know, electric vehicle hypothetically, but it's like, what are the next set of connected services that we can enable that would build value in being a customer afford? And that is a very hard question to answer. Awesome. So Eric, before we flipped on the record button, we were talking about this world of partnerships and, and where we sit today, you know, what partnerships look like 20 years ago, 10 years ago, where it's at now, and then really where it's going. And that's the exciting part for me. But uh, we have the opportunity at Partneronomics to talk to, it feels like hundreds of people a week that live in partnering roles. But partnering roles can be very diverse. And my guesstimation is roughly, let's say 75% of folks are in a channel uh, partnership role, which is, there's kind of, a, there's a recipe for that. It's fairly linear, fairly transactional. It's fairly predictable, not easy, not simple, but really what, there, what there's a new opportunity or I think a growing opportunity, it's been there for decades, but it's definitely growing from what I've seen. And that is the opportunity to leverage innovations, leverage resources, capabilities, ideas from other people, other organizations to, to kind of put that proverbial one plus one equals three together to get a solution that has so much power. You know, I think the bulk of your career, you know, or all of your career from a partnering perspective has been outside of channel lanes. And so talk to us a little bit about what partnership means to you um, from, from your career and like, as you see partnerships? Oh, great question. Um, first off, I can talk for hours about this, right? We kind of should say. So well, the way I envision the channel idea is on a spectrum, frankly, in the context of what I like to be thought of as doing, right? And little what I enjoy doing, which is upstream of channels and channel development. Because what I do, which really has no, frankly, playbook, which is why it is such a challenge to put together one at the end of the day. But by the time you put together a playbook, it's nothing more than a channel. I don't mean that in a bad way, but rather at that point has the level of confidence that a corporation could then internalize that and then scale it, right? And that is the goal. We can't lose sight of that. But upstream of that, we and our group, especially at Ford, little and what I'm most excited about in my career is all about figuring out what's the next playbook, right? And there's, again, way more questions than answers out there. And that's what this whole brand of Explorers Lab is all about, little and what I am is most excited about is the uncertainty of where emerging technologies can be leveraged, not just saying that we're actually starting with this challenge that's defined by our corporation parent. And in that case, over-constraining in likelihood that the first party perspective we hold is all we can do. Yeah, Eric, I'd love for you to, we really didn't hit it to the ground floor, at least to the level that I'd like, Explorers Lab. Tell us a little bit more kind of in depth of, you know, what your organization is and, you know, how people can engage with it. Appreciate that question. Um, so Explorers Lab was founded on a shared frustration throughout what is now what we call our community of explorers. These people um, are frankly friends of ours. They sit globally. They're all SMEs across industries, practice areas, you name it. 
And it's under the guise that if we put together in what we're calling a more sophisticated approach, which is nothing, forgive me for being kitschy, but the idea of an expedition, right? For the on-brand for Explorers Lab, then it's almost the working methodology around how we work together in the process to understand these areas of disruption and more importantly, the product of disruption, right? The areas that there is no confide expert. Otherwise, you can go right back to your friends at McKinsey and ask the question of what do you, what does that make you think? How should we think? And so in this vein of emerging technologies, we are um, a collective that is, let's just say, appreciating and sitting on top of the appreciation, excuse me, that you know, emerging technology will create more industries than it will disrupt, right? And that's what we're most excited about is helping other companies understand what to do with those emerging technologies, right? How does, uh, it's really interesting, this growing word ecosystem in our lane. And uh, it's, it's fun to continue to further define, you know, what ecosystems are. And I think a lot of different folks, right? You ask 10 different people in partnerships, they kind of have nine and a half different definitions of what ecosystem means. I'm going to ask you, whenever you hear the word ecosystem, you see it kind of evolving. What does it mean to you? <laughs> That's a funny question. I, I only laugh because I recently saw someone whose title was strategic ecologist. Um, and it was in the context of this exact thing, right? They're studying the ecosystem of X. But in the process, you know, ecosystems to me really mean um, that there is an actual um, trust that that grows between, not between, but um, outside of an existing, you know, um, nucleus, if you will, right? Where the nucleus in this likely case is a corporation, where it's because they have the right partnerships in place that customer, let's just say, not just information, but also intelligence, all these things grows beyond to, I think, really scale and increase scope of ways that, let's just say, that group of companies, for lack of a better term, could then build more value being part of it than not, right? And I think it increases the moat by which they keep those customers in place among you know, customer lifetime value and all the things that I would hope most brands are actually looking for, those key KPIs, right? So Eric, talk to us about co-creation and the value of that. I think both of us have spent the bulk of our career doing this stuff, being the, the ninja to try to, to bring all these pieces together. But why is co-creation so, so valuable, and especially in today's economy? That's an incredible question. Um, you know, I can tell you if, as an example, um, if you were to ask an automotive company to partner with, I don't know, a healthcare company, the answer today would be a better ambulance, right? Because it's pretty obvious how they can help each other. But in the vein of co-creation, why it's unique to just a general partnership is that it's probably the likelihood that there's, you know, the future of sensors in a vehicle could enable, I don't know, lower healthcare costs, right? And that idea is not clear to either one of them at the time, but they know that there's a North Star that neither of them are an expert in, for which reason they need to work together, right? And that's where co-creation, first off, is differentiated, let alone becomes differentiable for the two of them as they work in partnership in the future. Talk to us about partnership roadmaps and mm -hmm. the value that can come in having roadmaps. You know, roadmaps to me is such a dirty and buzzword, but I can't help but share my love for them at the same time. Um, they are how we've always built an internal audience, right? And at least, you know, clarity of what to expect from these potential partnership workshops. And sometimes, no news to you, Mark, that 
it's just a battle of time and priorities, right? As we figure out how to prioritize our respective um, challenges. And so roadmaps to us ultimately build value in keeping priority on from whatever resources you call around it, you know, in whatever, wherever this is going. And so half the time you're left being asked, you know, where is this going? Let alone what, what can I do to, to um, I hate to say objectify, but like put some objective um, awareness around, you know, why I should put that marginal FTE into that project, let alone not, right? And I think roadmaps are the answer to that in a lot of ways, because at least it ends up sharing, um, building a shared vision, right? Man, I, I couldn't agree more and absolutely love that. And I think that if there's one thing that the partneronomics methodology stands for, it really differentiates what we do in our approach. It's to spend more time on the front end, the pre-contract signature conversations. And really, at the end of the day, it's our obligation to understand what our counterparts' roadmap is, really what, what their strategic path is, Number one, to make sure that they know what it is and that they are convicted and committed to it. But then number two, it's our job to make sure that we can complement that because that's the only way that it works. You know, sometimes, so many times whenever we do this partnering thing, we're just worried about our resource. What's the widget we need? What's the capability we need? What's the knowledge we need? What's the market we want to reach? But we forget that we're also obligated to provide value to them. So I couldn't agree more about being really clear as to what this roadmap looks like, and then you know, showing how our roadmap is congruent with that, and we can provide value along the way. Oh, fascinating! There, to the exact point, there's. Um, I can't help but again share in this context the value of our role. Fundamentally, is to get to an agreement, right? And that agreement isn't just the document that they sign, right? Sure, according to procurement, it is, but. You know, in general, it's alignment on what we're chasing. And that thing, to your point, isn't about something, something we should chase for us and in the, in the FUBU mentality, right? But rather, it's about what does that help you do in your respective goals, right? In the hope that it aligns with something that is aspirational for us both. Yeah. And in that case, and only in that case, is that predicated on that alignment up front, right? Which is the time you spend ideally with someone in the, I would hate to say, you know, we're constraining it, somebody either in corporate strategy, corporate development that ultimately knows where things are going. Not that you have to know every single thing about that, but at some point they'll need to put a stick in the ground like, yes, that is absolutely something we at least know it shouldn't be considered done, right? And at that point it can move forward. And I think that that, that um, nothing more than dancing that almost happens in the front front end of that, like figuring out well, how does it help you, how does it help us, and more importantly, how does it align, and things that we can at least um, get each other excited about, something that will likely have to require capitalization, and after that, whatever workflow that happens from it. Yeah. Man, I, I would like for folks to really take heed and listen to this. It sounds so simple to talk about alignment, and we kind of get it, but there is gold here. This is our approach is you don't get alignment or you don't achieve alignment, you discover alignment, right? And so you're not going to convince a company 99% of the time, you're not going to convince them to come on board with your strategy. You have to understand where they're going. You have to determine if it is 
uh, congruent in, in alignment with your strategy and then paint the picture, as you mentioned, share the vision, share the vision. If they don't quote unquote see it, you share the vision of how you guys can go down this path together and provide value along the way. So many times I hear, you know, let, let's get alignment. Let's achieve alignment. You really don't. You discover that you have it. And if you don't have it, keep looking, keep searching, keep, keep moving because you're setting yourself up for failure more times than not. Could not agree more, Mark. You hit the nail on the head. So I want to talk a little bit about with partnerships, this push-pull concept, right? We're mm. familiar with that from a marketing perspective. We heard a lot of that, you know, in our marketing classes back in the day, but talk to us about push-pull and, and how that kind of plays a role into partnerships. Yeah, you know, the, the latest thinking, at least I have about that, is it's not different than inbound, outbound, right? And I say that because we've had, we still have a lot of inbound interest in partnering with us, right? People reaching out to Ford saying, we love to partner you because X. And it's great. We should never lose sight of, and more importantly, be open, um, we should always be open to that idea. But at the same time, we have to manage that tension with scarce resources, right? And more importantly, limited resources, and the opportunity really to be intentional with what we would like to be doing, right? And so it's, it's not an or thing, it's an and thing. And for that reason, it's really about managing those two um, forces. And I think if you can be, that's where the internal external partner idea comes back to, saying if you could be an internal partner as well, as well as an external partner, a good external partner, um, only then can you be capitalizing on both uh, benefactions. So Eric, with um, exploration, I mean, as we think about the process that we go through to think about ways to improve our organization, whether it's internally, this organic approach, or it's by pulling in partners yep. or acquisition, right? We get out the checkbook. But we think about exploration um, you know, as business leaders, as professionals, what should we be thinking about exploration? Why is it needed? What's maybe missing with the way that most organizations uh, approach exploration, or maybe they're just not doing it, period? Um, so, as my colleague in Explorers Lab put best, you know, there's a difference and on the same spectrum as exploration and travel. And for the sake of framing, this idea of travel is simply put what corporations want to do, right? They want to travel, meaning they want to know where they're going. They want to know how they're gonna get there, let alone what they need to get there. Whereas an upstream of that is exploration where you don't know where you're going. You don't know how you're gonna get there. You don't need what to get there. And so under that guise, Exploration is what we believe to be upstream of what then becomes, again, R&D pillars to open innovation calls, partnerships, JVs, like those are all answers to things that you now have confidence in how to operate, let alone which tool to use in the process. And so for that reason that we theorize not enough companies are taking the luxury of exploring nearly as often as they should. And that's what Explorers Lab is built on top of is that shared appreciation for that opportunity. Whereas we know all we want to do is help companies travel in that case. Eric, talk to us a little bit about the, the fuzzy lines between ideas 
and what we need to eventually travel through to, to get into execution. I mean, so many times I, I know the, the word innovation is kind of muddy and not really one of your most favorite words in the world, but, uh, you know, people generally speaking call it an innovation process, right? And it kind of starts off with this whole ideation piece. And then we eventually travel down and potentially will execute something, right? Whether it's a product or a new process or a new whatever the case may be, um, you know, I guess, what would you say to, you know, those executives that say, yeah, Eric, I get it, but man, it's just, it's such a messy, such an expensive, such a high risk proposition to do this innovation thing. Uh, we're just, we're just not good at it. And we, we just don't do it. That's right. Um, there's no one answer, but I can tell you that something I re remain excited about in that context is that the idea of first party versus third party perspective, right? And I've, like you probably come into that exact conversation so many times in order to hear they're just not just willing, but interested in shutting down work streams for like a better term, right? Because they're either not ready, they don't have the budget, they have other priorities, et cetera, list, insert list here. Whereas if you only ask them according to them, what they think we should do, um, what else do you expect, right? Whereas again, if you were to almost propose in a similar vein, how a part the right partner could come in to help us open our aperture on the opportunity, that may change the, uh, the calculus, right? Their calculus for that matter, where it's, you know, sharing in the, the burden of the work, right? Whether it be R&D budgets and timelines and et cetera, to um, whatever invention is needed in the event that is a technology-based challenge, um, as well as at the same time, customer intelligence, right? If it could even start ideally with a partner's sh and your shared customer base, then that makes that equation a lot sweeter sooner because then you have an appreciation to jump and stand on top of in order to test with a shared trust today. So Eric, kind of in that same vein, I, mean, I think if, if you look at some of the most successful, let's just say products, if you look at some of those most successful products that's come out in the last five or 10 years, the vast majority of those products did not come out from the Fortune 100 organizations. They came out from much, much smaller organizations and literally a bunch of people working in their proverbial garage. Okay. Talk to us a little bit about what, what do large companies need to do better? What are some shifts that need to be made so that they become better at creating their own roadmap internally, or would your recommendation be, hey, your, your machine is not built for innovation, so leave that to the smaller organizations, let them take on the risk, and then as soon as they put legs underneath something that looks interesting, go buy it. I think the um, relatively simple question, highly nuanced answer, right, in the context that I don't think there's one answer for everyone, but rather, it depends on the culture. and. In some cultures of corporations, it makes sense to wait and pay the tax, if you will, the innovation tax, I call it, where you just buy whatever product comes out of the woodworks. And at that point, you acquire the company and use it through your distribution channels. Um, unlike others who are want to work kind of, if you will, with what was, I guess, at the time, like a um, an Indiegogo or, or some platform like that, that isn't quite going way out from the, uh, the core of your business, but rather using another distribution um, solution to get 
an additional source of customer intelligence, right? And it's a pathway to try it without, you know, at the time risking your own brand identity and all these things. And so there, there are other tactics and tools to employ if you're willing to take that risk, but not everyone is again, and that's okay. I think there's just an answer for all those. So Eric, I believe that you've done a, a lot of mentoring with different entrepreneurs or inventors or those folks that uh, you know play in this real cool creation space. What kind of advice do you typically share with those inventors or entrepreneurs whenever they're looking to go find a sumo? They're looking to go find this bigger company to either partner with them to be a distribution outlet, or frankly, maybe to, to, to be an acquisition of their organization. What kind of advice do you typically give to those entrepreneurs? Yeah, um, in short order, lower your expectation, right? As if these you know, potential corporate sponsors, among other things, investors, um, know better than you do about what, what the right answer is. And at the same time, it's purely an education play that that, that entrepreneur has to take on. And so in the process, they will likely have to find alignment in a few, a few areas, one of which is um, not cultural, but at the same time, uh, a shared ideology among other things, right? Where it's because they believe in the future of, I don't know, smart energy grids, hypothetically, that the right battery partner could be something to, to potentially look into acquiring. Um, and so from that point on, it's about being, I hate to say patient, but acknowledging that they're running with their own set of priorities and it, your priorities are not theirs. And so half of that is just managing that challenge. Man, what great advice there. What great advice. Uh, you, you chatted a little bit about, you know, you used the C word, culture. Hmm. Um, you know, we say that partnering is a, is a culture in organizations, you know, and you could really feel that in companies that are serious and good at partnering. And, and, and definitely this whole idea of, um, I'll, I'll use the innovation word, but I know that, uh, <laughs> you know, it means, means different things to, to different folks, but it's definitely a piece of culture. And, uh, you know, as we talked about before, it's, it's messy, it's expensive, but, you know, if, if you understand how to harness the power, if you understand how to utilize it as a tool, wow. You know, you look at organizations like, I mean, Apple seems to be one of the one of the big examples of, of an organization that can just continually reinvent itself and just knock it out of the park. Talk to us about the culture of, of being really creative and, and exploratory. Great. Um, the answer I can tell you what it's not is a, um, a glorified discussion, right? Because if you were able to talk your way through a changing culture, that it would already be done, right? And so flip it on its head for a second. I think the culture is much driven by the act of doing, right, versus talking. And so one easy example that I'm running through currently is the idea of a pilot through which I am absolutely um, challenging some core and key assumptions of something that let's just say people internally believed wasn't possible um, for a million reasons. But point being, the fact we've already disproven that core, core thesis has grown our audience internally, right? And I, the word I use is audience, but at the same time is absolutely a culture of openness, right? And I think that's what I personally left most excited by in that context is this idea of building more awareness for, again, ingesting new perspective. 
And that's what not too different than exploration on its head. On its head. Eric, what, what kind of resources, or I guess just generally speaking, what kind of advice would you have for executives that they want to they want to up the game? You know, they mm. they see all these new technologies coming out there. They're starting to connect the dots of of different technologies, companies, resources, these um, you know other value adds that could be bolted into going back to this ecosystem idea. They see how some things can be bolted on to their solution to to make that easy button even bigger for their clients. What are some resources or processes or kind of first and second steps that these leaders can take to start to sharpen the sword in this lane of of leveraging uh, these capabilities? Great question. Um, You know, in a tangential answer to start, I could not recommend more that this potential, I don't know, CMO of a potential company, figure out how to communicate better with their CTO. You know, I think if we can solve that communication challenge, among others, um, that'll be a huge step forward in understanding how technology can help them, right? Just on a perspective building. But from that, I think that starting to do more, um, more effective landscaping in the context of understanding who is doing what, and I don't mean literally who in your industry, or for that matter, randomly, but somewhere in the middle being... Who do you even consider something you either look up to, aspire to be working with, but at the same time tracking something that is tangential to where you want to be in the hopes that you find alignment and back to the point of where a partnership could help you start moving that direction. And so it's not, not to overcomplicate the value, let alone the, the key methodology of getting a partnership built, that could be a very strong start. Yeah, one last question before we, before we let you go, Eric, and you kind of hit on this <clears throat> earlier, the the idea of starting with a customer mm. and what does the customer need as opposed to here's the widget that we have today how should we push our widget forward generally speaking what's kind of your approach your recommendation and then how do people start to build this roadmap or this evolution uh for for their solution set that's right um so i would say no one, it's hard, it would be, I'd be hard pressed to find anyone and I mean, any company that truly acts alone or needs to act alone in, in their respective space. And in that context, I only say that because, you know, half of this is not just finding who you need to part with next, but rather who shares a customer base with you, right? And using, again, that shared incentive, nothing else, to build value in being a customer of both what is it that you can start aligning on and customer intelligence wise around the fact that maybe together that's more of a reason to be not just valued directly, but rather valued in the context that there'd be more things you can do together, right? And that's where it comes right back to road mapping and all the things that follow. Yeah, love that. Eric, man, I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing the insights. And it's going to be so fun watching you guys, Explorers Lab and all the cool stuff that that you have uh shaped up here for the future. Thank you, Mark. Partnernomics podcast is brought to you by Partnernomics. Learn how to leverage the power of partnership. To listen to more episodes of Partnernomics podcast, visit partnernomics.com.